The Closing Time Podcast is back. Sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. I'm Joe Aguirre. I'll have a brand new co-host, Sanam Salati, who's my broker, my mentor, and my good friend, and one of the most knowledgeable people in Connecticut in the entire real estate industry. We're going to be talking about the latest goings-on. We'll keep you up to date on the market, and we're going to bring on some really great guests all throughout this season, people in all different fields in the industry, like accountants, home inspectors, mortgage reps, and so much more, just to give you a better understanding of the Connecticut real estate market. We're so excited for a brand new season of the Closing Time Podcast, part of the CMG Podcast Network. It's sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. Go see Heidi and Glenn Parchman to file your taxes for bookkeeping, business advice, real estate investments, or whatever your accounting needs are, including cryptocurrency. Just visit RockyHillAccountants.com. We'll see you all season long on the Closing Time Podcast. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back. Trap. Wall. See ya. Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And what a game we had last night in Denver between the Nuggets and the Blazers. Game five series was tied at two, two games apiece. And even though the, the Blazers lost, what a performance by Damian Lillard. He scored 55 points. He had the game-winning three to tie the game in regulation. He had the uh, game-tying three in regulation. He had the game-tying three in, in the first overtime. But eventually the, uh, the Nuggets beat the Blazers in, in double overtime. I mean, what a game. And I just think the difference in this game was, the. and like I've said all series, the bench of the Nuggets was better than the bench of the Blazers, and a big reason for that was the performance of Monte Morris. He had, uh, he had, I think 20, 20, 28 points last night. He had twenty eight points last night. He had, he had a bunch of threes, uh, and, and Michael Porter played well too. He had the big three to put the Nuggets up, and and, and McCollum ended up stepping out of bounds, so the Nuggets ended up winning that game. And this has been, a, you know, a really good series. Game three was a really good game. Again, the difference was another role player for the Nuggets stepped up. It was Austin Rivers this time who stepped up in, in that game. Game four was a blowout. Um, Michael Porter was terrible. The whole Nuggets team was pretty much terrible in, in, in game four. But last night, you know, at home, I I, I still had the, the Blazers in six. Now I'm in, and I'm not, not totally decided on which team I'm picking now. But last night, I mean, Dame Lillard was phenomenal. But the problem with this, the Blazers was the bench didn't step up. And outside of McCollum, the role players didn't step up for the Blazers. And that's why they're facing elimination again, down 3-2. And for the Nuggets, great performance by Jokic, great performance by Michael Porter Jr. And Monte Morris making the difference coming off the bench. I still like the Blazers in seven. I still do. 
because I picked him. I picked him, you know, to start the, start the series. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna move off it. Justin, are you keeping that same prediction you had? You had Blazers in seven, right? To start? Yeah, Blazers in seven. Yeah. Are you keeping that same prediction from what after what you saw last night? I'm gonna go with the Nuggets to win in seven now. I'm gonna switch it. I think Portland goes back home, wins game six, but I think they come back. Denver doesn't get in win game seven at home. Uh, that was an unbelievable game last night. Um, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. bounce back game, hit that big three, like a minute 33 left, that three in the corner. Uh, Lillard just did not have any help. He had 17 of the, night, of the team's 19 points in both overtimes. Yeah, McCollum played well, or well, you know, he had 18. He didn't shoot the ball great, but he still had 18 points. Um, unbelievable game. Yeah, Monte Morris came out of nowhere last night, played well. Austin Rivers, yeah, they, and and if guys like that can play well for the Nuggets, then this team is really, really dangerous because of Jokic, because you have to give so much attention to him. Even Aaron Gordon had a double-double last night, and I thought he played pretty well. So this Nuggets team, I think, you know, it's something that gets them going. I think, you know, yeah, they, they were awful game four. Even Damian Lillard was off game four, and he thought if Lillard played that bad, there's no way Portland could win a game this series. But they, you know – Portland was able to do nothing in game four. Now in game um, game five, Lillard did everything he could, but just they did not, you know, Portland did not, not, did not have enough to still win this game. No, they didn't. And just it was the, the home team got it done. I mean, Damian Lillard, though, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. 55 points. You saw some of the shots he made at the end. Those are those those are phenomenal shots. I mean, I think the problem with Lillard is there just isn't a, another – I mean, McCollum is a very good player. He's not a superstar. That's why Portland can never compete for championships because they don't have another superstar alongside Damian Lillard. And I've heard, and and I'm thinking Damian Lillard should really consider probably leaving Portland because I just think Portland's not a place where they're really going to, you know, attract free agents. And he's had so many great playoff performances. Those two buzzer beaters he had. I remember that buzzer beater he had against the Rockets in 2014. The buzzer beater he had against the Thunder in 2000 and 2019. So many great playoff performances. But it's it's very rare we're ever going to see. Dame Lillard compete for a championship because he's in a he's, he's in a small market, a place that a lot of free agents don't want to go to, and and it's just going to be hard for him to end up competing and, and 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 winning an NBA championship. But just a phenomenal performance by him. But the big reason the Blazers face elimination is the role players didn't get it done and the bench didn't get it done. So I mean it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what happens in Game Six uh, on on Thursday night. They go home. I definitely think they win that game. The question is going to be do they win Game Seven? Because I think this series. I think one thing we I think we both know is this series is going seven either way. Yeah, I think yeah, it will go seven. It's what teams, you know, what bench is yeah, as you mentioned, what bench will step up in game seven? You know, who's gonna be that one guy that makes a difference in game seven? Um, you know, will it be a Morris again? Will it be at Rivers or could it be like a someone off the Met bench? It's uh Simons, Cantor, you know, Carmelo. Like, yeah, like who's gonna be that guy? Um, yeah, for Lillard, it's you know, Portland's tried again, they they went out and got Powell. You know, they got Coventry played well last night. They had McCollum, but, yeah, it's just, you know, they're not L.A. They're not, you know, they're not New York. They're not Boston. They don't have the they don't have the space to be able to bring in another guy with, with Lillard. Um, you know, I and look, and if he ever wanted to leave, and if for some odd reason, if he, you know, does want to say he wants to go somewhere else, how about your Knicks? Looking I love it. I would love Damian Lillard on the Knicks. If the Knicks get Damian Lillard, that's a championship yeah. contender, and you heard it here first. If the Knicks get Damian Lillard, championship contender, no doubt. Put Lillard, uh, McCall, no Lillard, 
uh, uh, Barrett and Randall together. That's a really good big three. They'd be a contender right there. I would love yeah. Damian Lillard coming to the Knicks. Yeah, that, that you know, yeah, they need a guard. That that would really uh, put them at that next level. They may have to give up Barrett though to get Lillard. You may have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, um, I, I definitely think it's going to be Game Seven. I think Denver will have enough though to overcome Lillard and, and the Trailblazers to get done. It should be interesting. Should be really interesting to see what happens in this series with these two teams. I got a really, really good feeling it's going seven games. But we're going to stay in the Western Conference and talk about a team that got completely got completely blown out last night, and that's the Lakers. And they and you're loving it, and you and Jace are loving it because you obviously as a Kings fan, you can't stand the Lakers. And Jace is like, we got a shot now. We got a shot now. And I'll, I, I'm, I'm not coming over to the fact that the Jazz have a legitimate shot to get to the NBA Finals, but we'll get to them later. But – yeah, I mean, last night was just a complete blowout. Devin Booker was outstanding with 30 points. Suns played a really good all-around game. Cameron Payne had a good game off the bench as well. And the Lakers, really outside of LeBron, were absolutely pathetic. Dennis Schroeder was horrible. Uh, John Drew Drummond was horrible. That whole team was absolutely pathetic. I think LeBron just really gave up on uh, – really kind of just gave up on his role players last night. Really just ne- really didn't have any sense of urgency and after the second quarter to really, you know, compete in this game. And it's just – there's, the Lakers are in big trouble. AD, I don't care what his status is, he's got to play in game six. He definitely has to be on that court in game six. I don't care what what, what the deal is. He, he he needs to be playing. There's, there's, there's no way he can't be playing that game because, unfortunately for the Suns, Chris Paul probably won't play in game six. But AD has got to be on that floor at Staples Center tomorrow night in game six in game six for the Lakers if they want any shot to win. Because you've seen the Lakers. They, they've been outscored by almost 40 points when, <laughs> Frank, Lakers look <laughs> I know, I know. Frank was the one guy who was saying the entire time. He was saying, I hope the Lakers get bounced early. And Frank's, Frank's this close to getting his wish. Even though, you know, his heat got bounced, you know, in the first round. Frank is, Frank is getting close to getting his wish to having the Lakers get bounced early. I mean, I really never thought it, it would happen to the Lakers. I thought once they got healthy, healthy, they would be able to uh, they would be able to roll in the Western Conference. But the problem is this year, they just haven't been help, fully healthy. I mean, you know, and AD and LeBron had a rough, rough game one. And then in game four, AD gets hurt. And then, then last night without AD, they just without AD, man, they have looked like a they have not looked like the same team. And and and, and we got and it begs the question, is LeBron clearly the best player in the game? Now, I mean that, that that pretty much that's the big question right now. And there's two questions I'll ask you. Number one, is LeBron still the best player in basketball? And number two, where are the Lakers at right now? Do you still think they can win the series? Um, so is LeBron the best player to me? I always go back and forth on this. I've always kind of been, always been, you know, the last kind of year or two have been kind of, is it LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, you know, Kevin KD when healthy. I didn't even put James Harden in that category. Away I tell you, James now. Harden is really, I mean, great game last night, triple double. Yeah, yeah, I've been telling you, you could probably argue there's six players that you could, I mean, I'd say, I'd say five, you would say are the best players in the world. And, and, and oh, Frank already said it, LeBum is not, the best player. It's funny with Frank though. He did, did get did get his heat did get his heat two championships, but he's still he's still not giving LeBron the love there. Even though you know the Heat won three championships in the D Wade era, so maybe he feels like the Heat were D Wade's team when LeBron was on it. But yeah, I mean, I think you could argue LeBron. You still could argue LeBron, even though he really hasn't shown it in this series. You could argue Durant. You could argue. You could argue. Uh, obviously, Steph Curry. Even though he didn't make the playoffs, he was phenomenal. He carried that team this year. They were the worst team in the NBA last year. Without him this year, they would have been the worst team in the NBA too. Uh, you could argue Giannis for his impact, the way he impacts the game outside of three point shooting, the way he impacts the game. 
Oh, Frank said he's never liked him. Never liked him. Never liked him. No. He must have. The thing about Frank is he must have not liked when he made the decision. He was like, "We're gonna not. We're not. We're only, we're not gonna just win one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And he probably didn't 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 like the fact that he probably didn't like the decision. He probably didn't like the negative attention that brought to the Miami Heat. Even though they won those two championships mm-hmm. and were in the NBA Finals four years in a row, he probably didn't like the, the negative attention he brought to the Heat. But back to the best players in the game. Yeah, you could you could argue, you know, obviously LeBron, KD, Giannis, Curry. I'd say uh, I, I'd say Harden for, for for the impact he's made with the Nets this year. And I think you could argue. I don't know if you could argue Kawhi. I, I mean, I maybe Kawhi too because he won he won a ring. So really, six players you could put in that conversation for best player best player in the sport right now. It is wide open. It's, I, I I think it's more wide open for best player in the sport than than it's ever been. Yeah, I, I do because I, I think yeah, you threw up those six names. I think you picked one of them. I you know I wouldn't have an issue with that. I don't think yeah, you wouldn't have an issue with you picked any one of those six. So yeah, it's totally wide open. Um, so yeah, it, it's been very competitive and it yeah hasn't been like that for a while. And I'm I'm referring to I've never really liked LeBron. I respect LeBron, but I've never liked LeBron. That's that's why I can't. Say here's LeBron. here's my thing about LeBron. When he was in Cleveland, I really liked him. the first time in Cleveland. I really liked him. I really, really liked him when he was in Cleveland. Then when the decision happened, I couldn't stand him because they had that parade and everything. So I couldn't stand right. that Heat team that got to that got to four straight NBA Finals. But then when he came back to Cleveland, I started to respect him more. And in 2016, I was really happy when he brought home a title to the fans of Cleveland. That's when I, I and ever since then, I've always liked him. So I had a stretch where I didn't like LeBron. Now I've now I've, I've like when he went back to Cleveland. To me, that's when I really I started to like him again. So I've been a little up and down on LeBron, but right now. I do like LeBron. I think he's the second greatest player of all time. But right now, I think he's falling off a little bit. He's not carrying the team the way he used to. This is not the LeBron James of 2018 that scored 50 points in the NBA Finals against the Warriors. It's just he's just not that player anymore. No, he's not. And, you know, he's, what, 35, 36? It, it's tough. You know, it, it, I, it's tough to continue to be that guy for so long. You know, um, yeah, it's something I really haven't liked because, yeah, I, I did not like his decision – you know, I didn't like that he did it in front of all the cameras and, and you know, had the big, you know, yeah, the big parade for it. I was not a big fan of that. I've never been a big fan of him, too, because he's an actor out there at times. It's just ridiculous. It's, so, you know, sometimes it just seems like he just, you know, flops for no reason when he's the biggest guy out there. Then I hated last night, too. That that Leaving the floor with six minutes left, that was ridiculous. Even though – And we got we, – we got- yeah, go, go, go and see what you're going to say. We'll get to Jace in a minute. Okay. I can't – or and I know, you know, coaches really can't call it a guy like LeBron, but I don't care. If I'm Frank Vogel, I, I would have gone inside closed doors and I would have gave him a piece of my mind. I'm like, you support your team even uh, more down 30. You don't leave the locker room six minutes long. You, I, you, I, you go home. I think, back. I think Frank Vogel's intimidated LeBron. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a lot of coaches who are just intimidated of LeBron. I mean, Frank Vogel, LeBron reporting to Frank Vogel is not really like reporting to you're not reporting to a normal boss. I mean, LeBron is pretty much I hate to say it, yeah. the coach of that team. I mean, I think Frank Vogel's a better, much better coach like Ty Lue, but still, Frank Vogel is not telling LeBron what to do there. It's just, it's, that's just not happening. Yeah, I know he's not, but he, he he should. That's ridiculous, what LeBron did. I don't care you're down thirty. You you sit there and you support your teammates. I don't care. I would have said something. I yeah, w- yeah. whatever. If LeBron wants to be fired tomorrow, fine. I I just don't. I don't want to quit it like that on my yeah. team. Yeah, good point. I don't good want point. that because it's a, it's a bad it's a bad example. It's a bad yeah. example. Good good point. Good point you know, there. It's good. it's gonna just you know. I wouldn't be trying to that kind of the you know either that could kind of lift up the Lakers on like wow you know like LeBron does not believe in us and you know 
we got to step up or LeBron doesn't believe in us. And they're timid and scared game six. I, you know, who knows? I, I would love to see the be the first time ever LeBron's off in the first round. And I would not be, would not be upset about that. No, knowing that you're a Kings fan, you don't like the Lakers. You, you would not be, I know you would not be upset about it. And we got Jace. We got a comment from Jace. He can't take over games. He's a great facilitator still, still, but doesn't have the same scoring ability he once had. And I agree with Jace right there. Yeah. I agree with him. I think, yeah, you can't take over the game. You saw it. When your team's getting outscored by 40 points, there's a question in, in, in a quarter and a half of basketball. There's a question if you're still the best player in the game or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, listen, I'm not here to criticize. I think LeBron's had an outstanding career. It's the second great, greatest basketball player ever. But at this point in his career, you have to question, if, is he still the best player in the game? I mean, the best, I don't care how bad your team is around you. If you're the best player in the game, you're not getting outscored by 40 in a quarter and a half of basketball. Yeah, no, you can't. You know, I know he really played, you know, he tried to do anything he could in the second quarter. But, yeah, it, he's, he's got to, you know, um, the best player, yeah, best player in the world would not go down like that. You know, yeah, look, he didn't have a lot of help last night. I know Short has been playing well, but, yeah, he was awful last night. You know, Jason talking about it, you know, right before you came on, um, you know, AD's been the leading scorer in both games that they've won. AD's been so great. AD's been the best player in the Lakers this series. I, I You can and, see and, his and, aggression. And the thing is, is he can't be the best player because AD, AD is arguably, I, if there's 10 guys in the league, and I, and I think AD's a great player, if there's 10 guys in the league, I probably don't take AD because due to health. He has trouble staying mm-hmm. healthy. So, And he's not a, the greatest three-point shooter. So if there's 10 guys in the league, I wouldn't take AD. So you don't want him being your leading scorer. You need LeBron James, the quote-unquote best player in the game, to be the leading scorer for you to be successful. So, yeah, that yeah, was a good observation that, you know, in the two games the Lakers won, LeBron wasn't the leading scorer, and it's showing that – and Jace made a great comment that his scoring ability is is, is, is going down. Yeah, because look, the, 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 the Suns packed the paint last night and kind of just beat us with three ball. I know LeBron shot the three ball well, but they took away LeBron's driving ability, you know. They knew LeBron wasn't going to hit 12 threes against him and beat him. They, they tried to take away the driving ability and we're going to put five guys there and make life difficult. You know, he went, he was six or 10 from three, but nine for 19 from the floor. So, you know, they, they made it difficult. They, you know, they made other guys beat, you know, the Suns are not going to let LeBron beat them. And, you know, it, it, it worked. You know, the guys couldn't step up, but yeah, LeBron to be the best in the world. He, he can't get beat by 40. You, you just, you can't. And, they were lifeless pretty much from out of the, you know, they were pretty much lifeless in that second half of game four after AD got hurt. They, you know, they pretty much did not have much in that second half either. No, 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 not, not at all. Not at all. So in, in your opinion, Justin, where are the Lakers at? In my opinion, I, I would say, I think they, I actually, I'm still, because they're my picture of the finals. I still think they win the next two and somehow figure out a way to get to win this series. Justin, what do you think? Do you think the Lakers are done or do you think they're going to figure out a way to win this series? I'm going to take the Suns. I don't know what AD's availability is, but I think the Suns are riding high. I think they, even though Chris Paul, I think this team um, on Thursday, or yeah, Thursday night, the game six, I think they come out and I, I think they knock them off. I really do. I I don't, you know, again, I don't know where this Lakers team's at. They, they were awful last night. Again, I think what LeBron did may, may really affect this Lakers team and, as Frank said, Frank Frank's saying it. Frank's saying it. Frank's putting a fork in them. They're done. They're done. And I can very easily see that. I just, I just think the biggest, the biggest issue with, uh, with, with tomorrow night for the Suns is they won't have Chris Paul. So I think that they probably won't have Chris yeah. Paul. So 
it's probably going to go seven games, just like the Blazers and the Nuggets. This will probably go seven. So and it's tough to go against LeBron in the game seven, even at home. So even though he, he hasn't played up to that top, that, that high, the high, up to that, the level we've known him to play for for the last two decades. So we'll see what ends up happening. Frank's counting them out. Justin, you, you got the Suns. I still do have the Lakers. So it'd be very, very interesting to see what happens in, in this series. Yeah, well, you know, um, I think the Suns come back home. Um, our, I think the Suns actually finish them in game six. I really do. I, I think Suns are going to take care. Even our Crip I think they take care of business. And um, just one quick big college basketball news. Yes. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski is stepping down after the 2021 season – or 2022 season. Oh, wow. Uh, wow, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. That's that, 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 definitely, that is huge news. That's huge. Is it breaking news yeah. now or – Yeah, just yeah, it just came out. Oh, really? Wow. Ago. Wow, Coach K. Coach K. Is ESPN reported it, or let me um, see if they reported it. Bleacher yeah. report, but it says stadium. Or I got it from Bleacher report, but it was stadium that um, um, came out with it. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I could definitely see. You know, I mean, just just I, I, I and he's had a great career, but I felt like last year he was kind of lo- he was kind of losing a little bit last year, and, and yeah, this will be this this will be his last season, right? Yep. So yep, after his upcoming season, so. It'll be interesting he takes that job. Yeah, you can see that team just, you know, was not great. It just was not the normal Duke team. And with the new way of college basketball, the way recruiting and the transfers, I could see. I know it sounded like Roy Williams wasn't a big fan. Maybe Coach K isn't either. And, you know, of all this, all the transfers and all that, it's it's a totally different game now. And, you know, it's some maybe just doesn't really want to be a part of it. Yeah, so I know I'm putting you on the spot here. We got breaking news, but w- how do you think Duke will be this year, knowing that it's Shashevsky's last? I know it's really, really early. It's really early to tell, but how will Duke be this year, knowing it's going to be Shashevsky's last year? I think they you know they're gonna. I I think they have another shot to make another. You know, going to a final four, they're going to be a lot better. They got the number one class coming in. Um, you know, I know they saw Patrick Baldwin. I forgot. Um, it's like Pablo. Um. For his last thing starts to be, he's like a top five player. I think they have three of the top four recruits coming in next year. So I, I you know, they're going to reload. Um, they actually got Theo John too from Marquette for another big guy because they really need help um, down low. So I think Duke's going to bounce back. I'd be shocked that you know they're under like a three seed. Um, I, I think they're going to have a good year, especially knowing it's Coach K's last year. I think those guys really want to. All right, we might have just lost Justin there. So yeah, I mean, are you you're still here? You're still there, Justin? Yeah, we might have, we might have lost Justin there. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, let me see. you back? Yeah, um, yeah. I was just, um, just saying that um, Duke. I think these guys are going to try to give Coach K on the special year in his final year. I, you know, I think they're going to be one of the top seeds again, and I think they have another shot to get to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> If this is though the Celtics struggle next year, I could see Brad Stevens and Coach K. We gotta we gotta get to the Celtics. We will get to that later. We will get to the Celtics and Brad Stevens. There's breaking news. That, there's been breaking news there too. So we'll get to that. And, and I and I could see that. And this actually leads me to the question, Justin. I know I'm putting you on the spot again, but it's, but it's breaking news, and you know college basketball better than than anybody I know. Uh, who do you think the successor for uh, Coach K is going to be? You know, I sort of popping that when I heard when I saw it. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Trying to go through because. It's one of those things. Do they want to stay in house, or they want to go get a young man? Like you, like you and, saw Carolina stay in house with with Herbert yeah. Davis. Yeah, um, you know, I'm trying to think of his head assistant's name. I forget. He's been there for a while. 
you know, I did. I, I don't, you know, like because some of his, you know, assistants that he's had that that coach hasn't been great. You know, again, I bring up Johnny Dawkins' name. I don't know if he would actually get it, but he's been a you yeah. Know, Johnny Dawkins has been a coach. He's been at Stanford. He's been at yeah. He's been. A, he's still UC. He's still at UCF, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing a good job there. You know, I don't. He's older, so I don't. That's know. the thing is the connection with yeah. the younger players. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You know, I, I like the way Johnny Dawkins has developed talent. What about but, what about uh, Jeff Cables at Pitt? Is he still a Pitt? Jeff yeah. Cable? Would he? Yeah, would he? Ta- you think he would take the Duke job? Or I think he would because I think he's at the hot seat on Pitt. He's been yeah. he recruits well. It's development and getting the guys to buy in. It sounds like has been his problem. That's something tough at Duke. If you get a lot of ton of freshmen, you got to have them buy in, you know, you know, because you may not be the star. So, you know, Chapel, it's tough if they want to go to the guy that Coach K knows. I would assume it's going to probably be Coach K that picks it. That's what I'm thinking. I, I would assume. So if that's the case, too, I think it's going to be an in-house guy. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I can't think of his associate that's been there for a while. I would think maybe he gets the gig. Um, I don't think he hired Asher Wojciechowski back because he was the former Arquette coach. I don't yeah. think he hired him back yet, but I don't think he would get that job. Even though he's a good recruiter, but a terrible game coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe he'd come back on the staff maybe with the next guy, but I think they're going to stay in-house. Um, I would have to look and see what's out there for his coaching career. Maybe even – I don't know. Maybe even Quinn Snyder. I don't. I'm. You know, Quinn Snyder comes. I don't think. I don't think he'll go back to college though. He's having success in the pros. He's having success with the Jazz. So I don't think he goes back to college. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm just trying to go through all the Duke names that I I I know right now. But I think it's gonna be an house guy. Yeah. Well. So we'll see what happens with Coach K. But we're gonna circle back to the NBA and talk about the other lost LA team that we buried. We I would I buried them last week. And they, they definitely proved me wrong. And it looked like they were done in game three. They were down 30 to 11 to the Mavs in the first quarter. The Mavs said that crowd was going crazy in Dallas. But the Mavs, Hardaway, Porzingis didn't have it. He was terrible in game three. Hardaway was not as good in game three. And, and Paul Kawhi and Paul George were great. Uh, Reggie Jackson stepped up. And the Clippers ended up winning that game by 10. They, 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 got game, they won game three. And then in game four, and you could see it, Luka was not 100%. Luka was not 100% at all. You can see the Mavericks three-point shooting was horrendous in, in, in game uh, in game four. They were five for 30 from three-point range. Again, Kawhi and Paul George did their thing. Reggie Jackson stepped up, and the Clippers have made adjustments in the series. They moved Reggie Jackson into the starting lineup. They moved they moved Nicholas Batum into the starting lineup. So they, Ty Lue, I don't I'm not the biggest Ty Lue fan, but he's made adjustments in this in this series. Uh, it's at two-two, and uh, right now, I, the thing is, is if Luca is not healthy, I don't see the Mavs win another game in this series. I think the Clippers win it in six. I, I know last week I said Mavs in six, but I'm not gonna. I've been bouncing around in this series. I started with Clippers in seven, then Mavs in six. Now, now, now I'm going probably Clippers in six if Kawhi's not. If, if I mean, if, if Luca's not healthy, because that was not the Luca Doncic we've seen. And, sh- and knowing how good he is, he was still their leading scorer on Sunday night. Knowing how good he is and and knowing how his supporting cast is very questionable because Tim Hardaway was absolutely terrible in game four and Christoph Porzingis was terrible in game three. I think the biggest difference in the series right now is Lucas' health and the, the, the Mavericks don't have a number two like Paul George. They just don't. I mean, they, Tim Hardaway was great in game one and two, but he wasn't, he was not as good in game three and he was terrible in game four. Christoph Porzingis was not good in game one, but they won anyways because Finney Smith and uh, Hardaway stepped up. In, ga- in, game- in game two, Porzingis was better. Game three, Porzingis was absolutely terrible. And in game four, he was good, not great. 
but they, they but they got blown out to the Clippers. So I think the difference in the series is the, the Mavs don't have a two like Paul George and, and uh, Lucas Health. And the question I have for you, Justin, is do you think Lucas' neck injury is affecting his play? I think it's a pretty obvious question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, again, yeah, he's kind of he did what he could. Yeah, he you know you mentioned it. he was their leading scorer, but man, they put up eighty one points. And I guess too for Dallas, you figured they were in a cool off at some point. Like they were red hot. You figured they had to cool off at some point. But yeah, he's nine for twenty four. You know, one for seven from three. He did what he could, but you know, it the neck the neck is a weird. It's like it kind of just affects like everything. You know, um, so yeah, I I I really do think the Mavericks are in trouble here. Uh, you know, again, he, yeah, he's not probably hundred percent the rest of the series. And yeah, you mentioned they don't have another, they don't really have a number two. And I think, you know, something that they need is, I think they need Porzingis to go post up because it, you know, if the Clippers want to play small ball. And, then the Mavs you know, have to counter and, have, and play Porzingis yeah. inside instead of playing him from the perimeter. That's what Car- yeah. that's the adjustment Carlisle is going to have to make. It's going to be interesting to see what Carlisle does tonight. Yeah, they're going to have to. Porzingis is going to be able to post up on Nichols with Tuman, do everything he wants inside. So if the Mavs make those adjustments, and that would take some pressure off of Luka Doncic, you, you know, um, and then you hope that Hardaway and some other guys start making start making some shots again, you know, you can feel a little bit better. But, you know, Porzingis, he loves kind of being out on the perimeter for whatever, even for his size. And I don't yeah. and I. Get I get the game's a three point you know shooting, shooting game, but he needs to be more physical yes. inside. That's what he needs to be. Yeah, I know. No, I, I like the fact he can shoot threes, but he's not. He's not like Joel Embiid where he can shoot the three and he's really physical inside. He can shoot the three, but he and, and let's be honest, Porzingis is soft inside. Yeah, and you know that's a problem with his side. He's six ten, six eleven. He shouldn't, you know, especially going to a Nicholas Batum six eight. You know, they, you know, because with a. It really helped with the yeah the, you know you mentioned with the Clippers went small ball and they took Zubac off the floor, it it really helped the Clippers um out they were a much better team and Porzingis he's got to go inside even if he doesn't like it he, you know look you know he's got to play physical over Tune he should be able to back him down and do whatever he wants but um he's gotta he's gotta be able to go down low and and hit some baskets inside and that's gonna really help out the team out. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. So right now, I got, I got, I got the Clippers in six. I just don't think Luca is healthy enough. To, and when he's not healthy, he can't penetrate the way he used to to make the Tim Hardaways, to make the Finney Smiths, to make the Porzingis is better, and make the Jalen Brunsons better. So I, I, right now, I got the Clippers winning in six. But who knows the way this series is, is going? The Mavericks may end up winning in six. This series is t- taking a lot of twists and turns so far. A, ho- a home team has not won a game in this series. Yeah, which is it's crazy. It's something you don't see very much, you know. Um, obviously, I know it's not full capacity, but still, both both teams have had had fans at their home games. But yeah, I'm with you. I think Clippers in six. I think you know after that first quarter, game three. Um, I you know the Mavericks. I thought had a chance to kind of bury them, and they left the door open for the Clippers. And it's kind of been all all LA since, and I think it's going to continue to be. Yeah, we'll end up seeing. Yeah, they, because they had them. They had. Them. They're up thirty to eleven. In game three, they 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 they, they had they, they had it was thirty to eleven in game three, and they yeah. and and they, and they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get the job done there. So it it, it, it I mean I mean that was it. I mean if they if they close out game three, they win the series, but they blew a huge opportunity, and now they got to bounce back, and they got to do it the hard way now. So we'll see what ends up happening in that series. 
But we got to head to the Eastern Conference, and uh, we'll talk about the Nets. Obviously, they beat the Celtics last night. They, they eliminated them 123 to 109. But the big story is with the Celtics, and their season ended last night. And Danny Ainge is is is, is stepping down as a uh, as as Celtics. Uh, as Danny Ainge is stepping down as as Celtics president of basketball operations, and he is uh, he is now. Uh, he, he's, he stepped down, and now Brad Stevens has taken over as the uh, president of basketball operations. And now the Celtics are looking for a head coach. And in my opinion, I don't get this move. I don't get why you would – I think they should just fired Brad Stevens and uh, just kept Danny Ainge and got a new head coach. I don't get this move. Why you make Ainge step down, Brad Stevens moves up, and then now you're going to hire a head coach. I just don't get that move. I don't get that move at all. I don't either. The only thing I think of is back to that contract. He still has five years left on it for Stevens. I don't know what the buyout is, but they probably don't want to fire him right now. I don't know what Angel had left on this contract, but, you know, I think it's one of those because, you know, I think Angel said it, you know, I think he said it a couple times throughout the year. You know, it's not Brad Stevens' fault. You know, he really didn't put blame on himself. So it's like whose fault is it that we've been, you know, we've um, fallen short of our goal this year. So, it was a very odd move and very, you know, weird because I thought Brad C- Brad Stevens, I thought loves the coach. I I, I was shocked. You know, um, I've heard he, I heard he, I heard he was worn down from the bubble. So okay, so you know that then that 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 makes some sense in there. If you know, but I would think this is even more the stressful part because you're not really calling the X's and O's in the middle of the game, but you're kind of sitting up there and watching, but. I don't. Maybe it will be less stressful for him. You know, I haven't been in. I obviously haven't been in that position before. But yeah, that was a very odd move when I move when I saw it. Um, and then I saw the candidates. It's like Jason Kidd and Lloyd Pierce, and it's like this is the Celtics. You can do better than those two candidates. But yeah, and and and, and those those are actually worse coaches than Brad Stevens. Yeah. And you then keep Brad Stevens in the organization where the players were kind of tuning out. So yeah. It's really weird. And Danny Ainge drafted. He hit on Jason Tatum. He hit on Jalen Brown. I just don't get this move at all by the Celtics. I really don't. I think this is a team that's going. I don't. I don't, I don't see the direction where the Celtics are going. And I'm Jason Tatum. I'm concerned. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, I would be too. I don't know. You saw Tatum wants to be head coach, but Devin Turner, which I even I thought he was still playing. I thought he was. You know, Evan Turner be the head, which he's not. I don't think he's assistant anywhere right now. But yeah, you're Tatum. You you are. You got to because. You know, what is yeah? What is the direction? You, you keep Stevens, which yeah, they, you know they did not. Yeah, they just for whatever reason they they just really did not listen with this year. They kind of just you know, and the problem I think yeah, because Ainge just hit Brown and Tatum, but Ainge hasn't. He's drafted a lot of projects the last years, and that they really haven't panned out throughout the bench. So you know, Brad's maybe better. I don't you know of kind of finding those guys, but yeah, Tatum's got to be, because you have Brown and Kemba, Kemba's knees. I, I, you know, that thing's shot. I feel like, unfortunately, maybe a full off season, he can come back in October and kind of be the guy that, you know, he played well last year in the bubble and in Charlotte, but yeah, without, you know, with those two guys around, I don't know the Celtics, they got to pay Brown soon too, too, right? You're already paying Kemba. So it's not like they have a lot of cap here to, um, go out and try to make get another guy here to to help Boston out, but they need at least a big guy, you know, to come come in or another shooter. 
But yeah, Tatum's got to be kind of concerned of what's going on right now. Oh, I would, I would, I would absolutely be concerned about Jason Tatum. I, there, there's no way I, I wouldn't be. I just think the Celtics right now with this move, I think they're, you know, they're going to be in that in the Middle Eastern Conference. I don't think they're going to get to the level of the Nets, the level of the, the level of the Bucks, or even the level of six of the Sixers. I just think they're sitting in the Middle Eastern Conference, and uh, yeah, they, 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 they may need another, you know, top player because Kemba Walker is good, not great. They might need another top player because and Jalen Brown is not a superstar, but. I just don't think this move – I would have fired Brad Stevens, kept Danny Ainge, got a new coach. Yeah, that's probably what I've done too. I just go back. I just think it's a contract. I just don't think they wanted to buy out Brad Stevens, and I don't know what it is, what it is but they're having five years left. It's got to probably be a good chunk of change, and, um, you know, it, it was – yeah, it was a surprise. I probably would have fired Ainge – or, I mean, Stevens kept Ainge even though – Last year's hasn't been great as a drafter evaluating. You know, it's been mostly projects. But, yeah, you know, everyone thought after they made that trade with the Nets that the Celtics were going to go come win a couple of championships and the Nets were just going to continue to be the Nets. But that's been vice versa the last, you know, last few years. And I'm with you. Celtics are probably going to be in the middle of the pack the next couple of years, you know, again, until, I don't you know, until they make a decision and, Especially if it is a kid or Lloyd Pierce, I just I don't think they're getting any better. You, you know, you I know we're gonna talk late, you know, uh, Hawks Knicks in a minute, but look at that team after um, Lloyd Pierce got fired. That's a completely different club. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. So I mean, I just I just don't see the direction the Celtics are going in right now. I really don't. I don't. But we'll talk about the team that beat the Celtics last night and advanced to the second round. That's the Nets. No surprise, they win in five games. James Harden has a triple double. You know, Durant, Kyrie were all good in that series against the Celtics, and they got a big series against against the I mean against the Bucks. Big second round series. You, you got probably arguably two of the best players in the sport in in in, in Giannis. You got three of the best players: Giannis, Kevin Durant, and uh, Giannis Durant and uh, James Harden. So you got three of those guys going up against each other. I think this is gonna be a fun series. But the only chance, the only chance the Bucks have in this series is they, is they got to hit their threes. If they could hit their threes, they could extend this. You know, maybe maybe. Six or seven, they can they can extend this. They can extend this to six games, but if they don't, it's going to be a four or five game series because the the uh, the Nets' third best player is clearly better than the Bucks' second best player. So I don't think defensively. I think maybe Giannis could contain Durant, but I just don't think Harden and uh, and and uh, Kyrie are going to be contained. I think the Nets still score a bunch of points. I think offensively, this team is pretty much unstoppable. And and, and right now, my prediction for the series is. I got the uh, I got the Nets winning six. What do the Bucks have to do to somehow t- to upset the Nets? One I think is I love the Bucks defense, and I know you talked about it just a minute ago. The way they play defense, I think, gives them a chance. Yes, if two of those three guys are on up, KD, Irving, and, and um, Durant, then yeah, they are very tough to stop. But I love the way the Bucks play defense. I think Giannis could. Um, slow down KD enough where if they can kind of keep, you know, at least one of Harding or Kyrie in check, then I feel good about the Bucks maybe having a chance to win that game. But it's also, yes, it's also hitting the three-point shot. Milwaukee was great shooting-wise in, in the game or in the series of Miami, you know. Game four, what, they put up like 60 points, of, you know, what, like nine for 14 in like the third quarter from shooting three. Like they, you know, Milwaukee is red hot. You know, I know they lost Devin Tenzo, but you know, he was kind of, you know, 
Pat wasn't playing great. It's been Brian Forbes that has been really stepping off. If he can continue to knock down shots and take off some pressure of Middleton and um, Ante Kumbo, then I think the Bucks really do have a chance. I feel better, obviously, if they were if they got the two seed and had home court advantage here. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think the Nets probably get them in six. But I think the Bucks definitely keep this thing competitive. I think there's going to be some really good games. Um, if the Bucks can kind of, you know, it'll be a week off for the Bucks. So could the rust, you know, could there be some rust or could it be a good thing that they've kind of been off for a few days? Um, you know, rhythm and timing wise shooting the ball. So I'd love to see the Bucks knock them off. I'm not, a, I do not like super teams. I'll be rooting for the Bucks. I want to see Giannis win one. I just don't think the Bucks have, as you said, they just, they don't, they're not, they say they don't, you know, Chris Middleton is, is, or Kyrie, their third, you know, the next third best player is far better than Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's an all-star, has been an all-star player, but obviously not to the level of Kyrie Irving. No, 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 not at all. No, no, no. And and uh, both teams are going to be rested. That, that's the key is both teams will be fully rested going into this series. The Nets have three days off. The, the Bucks had five – they ended Saturday, so they have five, five days off. So both these teams are clearly going to be rested going into this series. It should be a really, really – competitive series between these two teams I expect it to be. But I think this is the series where I think Giannis is going to regret signing that big contract because he's going to see Kevin Durant and James Harden being together, and he's going to say, where's my superstar? Where's my guy to play with? I think he's. this is going to be the one series where I think he's going to, he's going to regret signing this signing that big deal. Yeah, definitely. You know, look, I feel – I love that, you know, I know – I love that he stayed in Milwaukee and he stayed in the small market and, and didn't want to go team up with guys, so – I love Giannis for that, but yeah, you know, it's the NBA being a small market team like Milwaukee, you go up against a Brooklyn that's got superstars like this. It's, it's tough. And if, yeah, if he cannot knock down threes and you know, rest of the guys can't really step up behind them, then yeah, it's going to be, it's that series where, you know, he does wish he signed somewhere else and had somebody by his side there, you know, look, cause I hate to, you know, Kurt Middleton's a good player. He kind of throw me on the bus like this, but yeah, he's not to the he's not a superstar that the Milwaukee needs to go win a finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they need one more guy. That's what that's what Milwaukee needs. Milwaukee needs that guy. And I think they're gonna figure that out after they lose the series to the Nets. That's what they're gonna figure out after this series. Yeah, 100 percent I think, you know, I I got the Nets in six. I think they'll be able to take care of it. I think, you know, yeah, they Monkey will try to hopefully do whatever they can to get another guy in here for Giannis. But yeah, until then, it's just going to, uh, they're going to keep, you know, they're going to keep losing to guys like this. Absolutely. 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 So we'll go to the other New York team, and that's the Knicks. And they are on the brink of elimination. They're down 3 1 to the Hawks. And the biggest difference in the series has been Trey Young has completely outplayed Julius Randle. And we've really kind of figured out what Julius Randle is. He's a very, very good player. He's a borderline all-star. He is not a superstar, and he has proven that in this series. He has been completely outplayed by Trey Young in this series. And the biggest reason why the Hawks, two won, won those games in Atlanta was the bench. The bench was kind of even on Friday night when the Hawks won by 10, and then the bench was better for the Hawks when they won by when they won by 17 in game four. So Trey Young has completely outplayed Julius Randle. Uh, Reggie Bullock, he's not really stepped up. R.J. Barrett had a terrible game three. It's Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose has been carrying this team. He had that. 27 point game in, in game uh, in game two uh, coming off the bench. Then he went into the starting lineup in game three, had 30 points. 
didn't have a great second half on Sunday. I think he was wearing down, but and that's the bad sign for the Knicks. When you have a, 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 a has-been a point guard that used to be great carrying your team, you're not in good shape. I think the Knicks win tonight, but I do think the Hawks win the series 4-2. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks close them out tonight at the Garden. But I just think with the time off, Thibodeau able to get this team ready, I think that I think they win tonight and uh, the Hawks uh, beat them in game six. But, Justin, what do the Knicks have to do to have any chance of winning this series? And who do you got? Do. And who do you got? Um, the Knicks, they got to come out to a fast start. I feel like at the first uh, four games – I feel like Atlanta's gone out to some good starts and kind of has been able to kind of do what they want. I know game game um, game four, the Knicks did have a one point lead going to the second quarter, but uh, I think Atlanta, you know, the Knicks have to get up to a five star and get that garden, keep that garden crowd into the game, um, you know, keep them going. Um, it's also they got Randall has to play like his life's on the line tonight. You know, again, it's he's been. You know, he's really, really struggled. I know he's 23 and 7, but shooting wise, he's what around 30% for this series. Yeah, and, and, he, and he shot like he sort of shot 40% from three point range during the regular season, but this yeah. is the regular season. This is the playoffs where teams figure you out. And in the playoffs, Randall has just clearly not been the same player. And, and he's kind of being the player that everybody thought he was, you know, a borderline all star, not a superstar. Yeah. And I thought maybe after the first few games, He'd settle in and kind of, all right, this is playoff basketball. Here we go. And he still really had not been able to do it. And, yeah, you kind of wonder. Because, you know, I know probably like a month ago I was saying I'd probably take him right now over AD the way he's playing, you know. But I may, you know, I'd have to take that back. But, yeah, look, and Rose has been great. But, you know, they but um, his knee, yeah, his knees, you know, his, his knees are shot. And he's been incredible. I, you know, for the year he's had – and for him to keep going. Um, and we got another breaking news from uh, Jace. Thanks about for that, so, Jace. Yeah. John Shire announced as the coach in waiting for Duke. That was the so, guy I was thinking for. Yep. That's the guy you were thinking of. Yeah, he was on that, was, two, yep. that 2010 uh, championship yeah. team I think he was on. Yeah, so John Shire yeah. was the co- is the coach in waiting for Duke. Thanks, Jace, for getting that for us. Yes, thank you, Jace. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, so we'll see how he ends up doing. I have no experience, so. But, but he's played for Duke, so uh, it, 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 the move would make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I know he's been on the staff there four or five years, I believe. I'm, I, I believe he's been there for a few years. He knows the ropes. He knows the school. Um, again, I would think too. I he's Mike Chesky's lead assistant recruiting wise. So again, I think he, he you know, he's gonna know what to do. I, I'm not surprised. It kind of feels like the, you know. Jim Calhoun to kind of Kevin Ollie type. Thing. I, you know, I think he's may, probably going to have better su- success, but kind of one of those kind of moves. Um, I think, yeah, you know, I think he'll do good with Duke. Again, it's Duke. It's it's really – unless you really try, you're going to be good. You're going to get guys in the door like North Carolina. So as long as he, he knows so more of the X's and O's, which I bet he does under Krzyzewski. I bet Krzyzewski picked him, you know, Krzyzewski's not an idiot. You know, he knows he's kind of, you know, he can, he can do this. And um, I think, you will you know, it'll be a good move for the, um, for Duke to go with him, keeping it in house. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we've been bouncing around a lot. I apologize for that, but you know, with this kind of breaking news, yeah. I, I just want to make sure we get that in. So we'll go back, back to the next now. Uh, do you still, you still got them winning the series? Obviously I don't, you, you still got my next win in the series or. No, unfortunately not. I think I think Trey Young comes in here tonight and 
would love to uh, send the Knicks co- crowd home uh, displeasured. So, and I think he would love a rain of booze tonight walking off that floor. I think Trey Young gets it done tonight. And I think the Hawks win a five. This is what I wanted to see, uh, you know, like last kind of point on, on the Knicks too. The Knicks have had a great regular season. Um, obviously, I think we've seen the talent. They still need more talent. And I wonder with the regular season with the Knicks, because they played hard night in and night out. And we know in the NBA, sometimes teams take nights off. And, you know, I think maybe at times they took advantage of that. Again, I'm not trying to take any away from the Knicks. No, no, no. no. It's done a great job. But, yeah, they, they, Thibodeau had this team 72 nights this year playing hard every single night. And 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 and, and not every team did that at all. Yeah. So that's what you got to give Tom Thibodeau credit for. This is really probably – this talent is probably like an eight seed. This, this team is like pretty right. much like an eight seed, but they're a four seed because of how hard they played. So – Definitely give them credit for that. But when you get to the playoffs, you get exposed, and it feels like the Knicks are getting exposed. It does, yeah. It's it's a whole different animal in the playoffs. And, yeah, you know, they just – right now, I think it shows that, hey, you know, we've had a great regular season. You know, hey, we're a four seed. But, yeah, they need more – you know, they need more talent. They got two first-round picks in the – you know, um, you – you know, you know the Knicks are gonna go out and go find a superstar this offseason. I think, you know, with the way the series is going, it kind of gets that emotion even quicker now. That hey, we we need somebody else right now. So, yeah, um, Thibodeau should be coach of the year. I know it's up to him and Monty Williams right now. We've done a great job at Phoenix, but for a team that yeah, they have. I'm with you. They had a talent of being an eight seed playing the playing round to be a four seed. I don't care if it's easier confidence. It, it's been unbelievable with the talent that they have that that they're in this position. It just shows how good of a coach Tom Thibodeau um, had done. And again, it's, you know, the next future, I, I still feel is really, is really bright, even losing tonight in five games. As uh, sure as it absolutely is. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening uh, for, for the, for the Knicks. We'll see if they can end up somehow, we can see if they can end up, you know, make the series interesting and getting it to Friday. I hope they get it to Friday and make it interesting. But we got another Eastern Conference series, and that's between the Wizards and Sixers. And the Wizards made it interesting. They won uh, they won on Monday night, and now they go to Philadelphia for game five. And the Sixers will be without Joel Embiid. And in my opinion, though, I still think the Sixers pull it out because, you know, I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. I think that, you know, Ben Simmons will get the ball to Tobias Harris and Danny Green and uh, Seth Curry, and I think they'll end up winning the game. And I just don't feel like Russell Westbrook is, is, is going is to win a game like this. I think this is another, you know, bad – this is going to be another bad Russell Westbrook loss in the playoffs where, they, where it's close to the end, he makes a bad decision, and the team loses the game. And I and I and I think the Sixers I think the Sixers win it in 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 five. I think they close it out tonight, even though even even though Embiid's hurt, I think they close it out in five. But the big question is though, with Embiid out, what are the chances that the Wizards could force a game six? I think you know I don't think they're great. I think for the Sixers, they've had a game they've had a day now where they can kind of game plan without um Joel Joel Embiid, and I think that's going to help out the Sixers. Look, they were down twelve points going in the fourth quarter of the Sixers the other night, and. They fought back, you know. They had some chances, um, and they didn't really kind of lie lie down. So yeah, the six or George was able to win a game, but look, Russell Westbrook was three for nineteen. I know he had nineteen twenty one at nineteen point twenty one rebounds and fourteen assists, but you look at the shooting line and that that's just awful. He's thirteen for sixteen from the line. Uh, he's got to play a lot better because I think you know Philly's gonna you know. Philly, yeah, they gave them. They let Washington get one, but they're not letting this thing go back to Washington. Yeah, I think you know. 
I think Tobias Harris can hit knock down some shots. Um, Curry again, you know, Danny Green, yes. I think the Sixers are gonna be able to do enough. I don't really like Washington's chances. Hackamore played really, really well. Um, you know, Beal, Beal, you know, um had 27, but they didn't really have it. Even actually Robin Lopez had 16 points, but I was stunned. He just without Embiid, he was kind of just did whatever he wanted to. I don't expect them to have 16 points again tonight. I think the Wizards are gonna struggle. Um and I think I think Philly takes care of business tonight. Yeah, I think so too. I think they win it in five and they advance. And I think eventually, unfortunately, as a Knicks fan, I gotta say they they play the Hawk. They advance to play the Hawks in the second round, and that'll probably start next week. But we'll wrap up talking about Jace Garcia's Utah Jazz. And let me tell you, Jace Garcia's Utah Jazz are in great shape. They're they're up three one on the grid. Yeah, last 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 week we were questioning them, you know, being down 0-1, but now they're up three one. Donovan Mitchell has been outstanding in the series. He scored 10 of the last 14 points for the Jazz in game in game three, and then he had 30 in game four. He is a great player. He's the Jazz best player since Carl Malone, and uh, he is a player that could lead the Utah Jazz to a place where I didn't think they were going to get to, and that's the NBA Finals. I mean, he has been, and maybe even an NBA championship, seeing the way their season's gone. So Donovan Mitchell has been outstanding, and I think the difference in the series, like I said, is three-point shooting. I think you saw Utah on uh, on Monday night hit 17-3, shot 50% from behind, from behind the arc. John Morant uh, struggled from three-point range, went one for seven on in game four. I think John Morant's going to be a great play, could be a great player in this league, but he's got to develop a three a consistent three-point shot. If he can do that, he's going to be a great player. But if he doesn't, the Grizzlies are going to be in that you know eight-nine seed range. The only way for the Grizzlies to move up is they need John Morant to start hitting from behind the arc. Totally, and yeah, because Memphis they've done a great job of getting in, mid-range jumpers, and it. You know, Dylan Brooks is great at that. Morant's great at that. But, yeah, you know, you play – that's great. But when you play a team like the Jazz or any pretty much team in the NBA nowadays, those teams are going to be hitting three balls. And, you know, you're, you're never going to win that game. So, yeah, um, you hold for John Morant. He could start knocking down some jumpers. Um, and there are some three-point jumpers for this Grizzlies team because, you know, the last decade – because, they you know, they had some – you know, with uh, Zach Randolph, um, again, you know, they were doing the playoffs. They just could never get over the hump. And they kind of just be like that again, where they really just could never take that next step. But um, they, they need Morant to hit down some threes. But the Jazz, yeah, bounce back from game one. Donovan Mitchell has been great. He's, he's looked really well coming off of that ankle injury, which you always kind of concerned because it was like, a month off. But, um He's played really well. The Jazz team's playing well. They have seven, you know, knocking out seven three, seventeen three pointers. I do think the Jazz will take care of business, and Utah does look good. And they're they're a ba- very dangerous team um, when they're healthy and they're clicking all clicking on all cylinders. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. They are. They are, and they, they are a dangerous team. And they very easily can make a run to the NBA Finals. And I got obviously, I got them. Closing it out tonight in uh in in uh in five games. Yeah, I'm with you. They'll they'll close it out. They won't let this thing get to game six and go to Memphis one more time. So I'm with you. Utah closes gets it done tonight. And they went tonight. They're well rested. They better hope the and and, they, and they're hoping the Clippers Clippers and Mavs go to seven games so they could start Tuesday night in the second round at home in Utah. That'll wrap it up for the NBA. We got the Yankees and Red Sox matching up for the first time this year. But before that, we got a couple promos from Clovercrest Media. 
Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. And crossed up by Colby, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But speaking of those Lakers, but I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's gonna win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Obi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. Alrighty, obviously go with the big series this weekend for the Yankees and Red Sox. With the Yankees and Red Sox. But before we get to that, we got to talk about the Yankee struggles. I mean, what a disgraceful weekend in Detroit. I mean, absolutely pathetic this team was in Detroit. I mean, they scored. I think it was five five, five runs in three games against the Tigers. That is that is horrible. And one number one thing I don't want to hear about is that stupid extra inning rule. The Yankee fans want to make excuses about for, for the way they lost on Friday or the yeah. strikeout call they thought they should have had. Win the game in nine innings. I'm tired of. It. I'm sick of it. Win the game in nine innings. You were good enough to beat the Detroit Tigers, winning that game in nine innings. I mean, that's a disgrace. There's really, I mean, outside outside of last night, there was one guy that's been hitting, and that's been Aaron Judge. I mean, Stan has struggled since he came off the DL. LeMayu has not been good this year. I mean, Gio's been okay, but the rest of the lineup, Gary Sanchez, how bad has Gary Sanchez been? He has been absolutely terrible, terrible this season. And his base running is even more pathetic. You saw on Sunday when he, when he got when he got thrown out on the bases. Last night. Last night he was thrown out on the bases. I don't want to hear any de- I don't want to hear any defense from Gary Sanchez anymore. From Joe, from anyone. If I hear from Joe one more time, I am not, I'm not giving up. This guy is horrible. Gary Sanchez is horrible. Honestly, I wouldn't mind trading him now. I am done with Gary Sanchez. He is absolutely pathetic. I am done with him. This lineup, you know, Clint Frazier did step up last night. I'll give him credit. Had the big home run, but and and Duhar did the home run last night too. But this lineup is a is, is been is a major problem. And 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 yeah, if they, if they could step it up this week, they could take three out of four from Tampa, take two out of three from Boston. All right, we got a we got a season. They lose the next two to the Rays. They lose three out of four to the Rays. The A at least is off. This is a wild card team at pass because they only play the Rays six times for, for the rest of the season. So they got to they 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 got they got to they got to they got to uh, at least split with the Rays the next two, which I think they will because Garrett Cole's pitching on Thursday. But they got to split with the Rays to, to, for me to to think they're going to be they're going to compete for the A at least because if they lose the next two, they're not competing for the A at least. Yeah, they'll have a chance to get a wild card because you know 
the Red Sox, they haven't played them yet, and I don't think the Red Sox are that good. I think they're better than their record, but I just don't think the way they're playing is sustainable for 162 games. But this Yankee team needs to start hitting. Or Aaron Boone's going to be out of a job. And I don't want to hear, oh, it's not Aaron Boone's fault. It's not Aaron Boone's fault. You don't fire 25 players. When a team is underperforming, it's the manager's fault. And last year, he cost us a, a huge playoff game by pulling Debbie Garcia out after the first inning. So I don't want to hear the nonsense that it's not Aaron Boone's fault. It is Aaron Boone's fault. He's by far the worst manager the Yankees have had in my lifetime. And they obviously do. They had a great manager in Joe Torre, a Hall of Fame manager in Joe Torre, and they had a solid manager in Joe Girardi. But yeah, Aaron Boone is clearly the worst manager the Yankees have had in the in the time that I've been a fan. The biggest mistake the, the Yankee that Brian Cashman made, one of the biggest mistakes he made was firing Joe Girardi after 2017. Because realistically, this team that they were one game away from winning the World Series in 2019. One game. They have not came that close since. Yes, all right. 2019, they they did they did get to game six six against the Astros, but they didn't get to game seven. And uh and and you look at obviously uh and, and then the two years they lost in the, in the wild card round to the Rays and to the Red Sox. I am sick and tired of not getting to World Series. And it looks like it's going to be – it looks like thing, the way things are going right now, the way this team's hitting, it looks like it's going to be the same thing this year. And now Kluber's on, on the on, on the IL, so the pitching hasn't been as good as you saw this weekend. You know, they, they had to throw Michael King and they throw Debbie Garcia out there against the Tigers, and they struck, they really struggled. Uh, and then, obviously, last night, Germán wasn't great. And then Tyone wasn't great last night. So the pitching is starting to get a little bit worse, too. Thank God for this bullpen. This bullpen is what's keeping this thing afloat. This bullpen, even without Zach Britton, is the thing that's keeping this team afloat. Because without that, this team would probably be under 500. The way the, the way they're the way they've been hitting, and the inconsistency outside of Garrett Cole of this rotation. So, right now, this week is a huge week for the Yankees. They for for me, uh, I would like to see them win the next two against the Rays, and I don't know if that's realistic, but win the next two against the Rays, and then take two out of three from the Red Sox. That's what I want to see because I'm not high on this team right now. They're in third place, four and a half games out of first place, had high expectations, expectations with the World Series. If things don't get better, Aaron Boone is got to go, and I don't want to hear any excuses about it. He's got to be fired. If this team uh, somehow misses the playoffs, he should be fired before the season ends. He should be. And I don't know what you heard with um, hitting coach Marcus Timms had to say yesterday. Um, no, do no. not blame the analytical department. I wonder if it's just a thing when you sign a contract, you cannot throw the analytical department under the bus, but which I think is ridiculous because, again, um, yeah, that again, I, I again, Sunday, I would have uh, made that team ride the bus home back from Detroit and said, if you guys don't want to be, if we're not going to be a major league team, then let's, well, then. We don't get the right charter flight. If George, if George was still the owner, the old George before in the, in the old days would have fired Boone probably oh, long before this, but he would have definitely fired Boone after that oh. game. Even the George that was, you know, the George that calmed down, he would have fired Boone. George Steinbrenner would not have stood for what's going on right now. George would not be standing for what was going on right now. He would be, he would be so upset. I mean, he, he would be, he would be really upset. You know, Hal is, a, I mean, Hal's a little bit more laid back. That's just, that's just how he is. He's just a little bit more laid back than George. Yeah, and that's, and that's the I problem. Think, yeah, I think George would have been in that. I think George would have been on the top set for the dugout um, on on Sunday, and after that final out, I think he would have uh, fired Boone. But it, yeah, his team it, it's disgraceful this this lineup right now. And the thing is, it's like their at bats just stink. That's the thing. It's like why why is it such a bad thing to have two strike approach, 
Why is it a such a bad thing to move to move? Um, it's this. It's the uh, analytics. It's the analytics. They don't move runner. You don't move runner runners over anymore. You don't choke up on the bat with two strikes. It's the analytics now that are screwing up the way th these guys are hitting the ball. It's, it's horrible. They're striking out way too much. No wonder we have six no hitters and we're not even halfway through the season. Yeah, it's it, again. It, I can't stand watching baseball in twenty twenty one now. I was watching the biggest tournament this weekend, baseball wise. I forgot how much how much fun it, it could be to watch baseball because they had to put the ball in play. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually emotioning. Guys are like into it. Like I can't stand watching it anymore. This and team, I'm not just this yeah, team needs to start showing some emotion. Just like last night, they got to start showing some emotion because if they have a, if they lose the next two to the Rays and they lose two out of three to the Red Sox. Not only was the is the at least in question, but a playoff spot is is in question, and that was unthinkable before the start of the season. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think they're pace one eighty-seven games at the moment. Eighty-seven games. Wow! 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 Just wow. let that sink in. This yeah. team should be close to hundred. Yeah. They, they, you know, again, that's that's on coaching, and the, they just don't change anything. Yeah, and you can see Gary last night. What bottom tenth eleven? We had bases loaded, two outs. You can just see him. He just he was not comfortable at all. He just uh, he did not look like he wanted to be batting at that moment, and. I have tried to defend Gary as long as possible, but Joe got I, you into the Joe got you into that club of defending Gary Sanchez. Yeah, well, I because it's like he could hit 30, 30, 35 home runs. It's like okay, if he makes some mistakes, whatever, he'll he'll hit a home run and make up for it. But he can't even do that right now, so it's very tough. And Austin Wells is probably that catcher they got. Probably still another three, four years away. And I, again, I don't know what they're going to do with that position. But till then, because Kyle Gashioka is even struggling, you know. So it's again, it's ridiculous this team. And you know, again, Gio last night they had first and third, one out. Put the ball in play. Just put the ball in play. You have a chance to win that game. He strikes out, and then Gary strikes out. It's just – It's crazy. Everybody's, everybody's yeah. struggling outside of, outside of Aaron Judge. And I was hearing Joe talking keys to the city, saying the Red Sox are not sustainable because they really have only four hitters that are bat hitting in that lineup. At least they have four hitters that are hitting really well. Yeah. The Yankees have one hitter that's hitting well. Yeah. And the thing, too, about the Red Sox – I know we'll get them in a minute, but they come up – but there's a sense of urgency in that lineup when they have to. I don't see that at all with the Yankees. I really don't. There's no urgency. You know, it just eh, seems, you know, uh, strikeout or nothing, you know, whatever inning it is, whatever the situation is, it's like they don't even try to put the ball. It's just none of it. And, you know, yeah, the pitching starting to kind of, you know, um, starting to have their shows, which you thought it would. It, it's, it just, you know, the pitching kind of starts to struggle even more. And this lineup doesn't connect. You know, again, the, the pitching, the bullpen, and the starting staff, for the most part, they've kept the team afloat. They've scored 207 runs. The Orioles have scored more runs. The Orioles have scored 209 runs. And where are they ranked the in baseball? They're in the 20s, right? What, for runs scored? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got to be in the 20s. I, this is I the worst. This is the worst uh, offensive team for the Yankees since 2016, since that 016 season before Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez go. Before Gary Sanchez went on that tear in uh, in the last two months of the season, this is the worst. This is the worst Yankee offensive team since 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 then. And this is the most concerned I've been about the Yankees since 2016 because this team has just clearly, clearly underachieved. It just seems like you know, and everyone says, "Oh, it's it's May, it's June." 
it's get it's starting to it's starting to count. These games are starting to count. This team's starting to fall behind in the standings. Yes, they got the big win last night. Frazier came through. But if, if they keep falling in the standings, they're gonna they, they might miss the playoffs. So that's why this week is such a huge week for them. Oh yeah, it one hundred percent. They're twenty fifth in runs. And they're 26 in batting average. Who would have thought they'd be 25th? I remember we were doing the roll call like two years ago, and Joe was complaining about them being second in run scored and, and being and being concerned about their lineup being inconsistent at times. You would take second in run scored any day right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh 100%. Because, again, they you just wouldn't expect that. They're slugging 24. They're, they're slugging 370. It just – yeah, you know, and I can't say, you know, you go back to the, yeah, it's it's May, you know, still able. I can't say an air boom every day. Oh, things are going to get better. You know, we'll, we'll start getting it going. Dude, it's two months in the year, not three weeks, not a month. We're two months in. We're about a third of the way done the season, and things aren't still clicking. There's a bigger issue here, Boone, and somebody needs to wake up and kind of say, we need to change something. And I was hoping maybe on that flight on Sunday, coming back home, would have done that. But then one day – they lose. Same, thing. Yeah. same thing on Monday. Yep. Same thing on Monday. And you know, yeah, yeah. They win yesterday, but a lot of baseball teams can win one. Any baseball team can win, can win a game. Yeah. Okay. Any team can win a game. They don't play the whole, oh, they won. They're going to turn everything around because they won. No, no, no. Any baseball team can win one game. Okay. This has been a problem. It's been, a, and it's been a problem for the last week ever since, ever since uh, they swept the White Sox and started playing the Blue Jays. This has been a problem for at least a week now that this team just has not been, has not been hitting. Unfortunately, that their starting pitching hasn't been as good. And 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 and, it's, and and that's why they've lost five of their last seven games. And they got they got two big games the next two. They got, they got two big games against the Rays the next two days, and they got a huge series against the Red Sox coming up. And let's let's talk about that series against the Red Sox. And the Red Sox are trying to come down to earth a little bit. I'm telling you, Erod is struggling, man. Erod again Monday was not good at all. The Red Sox they lose yesterday. The Red Sox now uh, two I think two games out of first place in, in the uh, in the American League East. And this is a big series. This is a big series for that you know. One of those wild card spots, I think. It's the first time they play. They play 19 times this year. They haven't played. They, they haven't played yet. So very interesting series. A uh, Friday night, the Yankees haven't announced a starter. Ovaldi's going for the Sox. Uh, uh, on Saturday, you got Tyone against Erod, and then uh, Sunday you got Herman against Richards. So I think the Yankees could at least win two out of three at home. They have to. They have to protect. The, they got. They got. They got to take two out of three. They're the better team on paper. If they don't, this team's in big trouble. I mean, the, the Red Sox this year, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, a year where, all right, we'll win maybe, you know, 80 to to 85 games, you know, you know, then maybe get some, you know, get some pitching in the offseason, maybe get some pitching next year. The Red Sox were not supposed to be, you know, in second place. They were supposed to be in fourth place. The Yankees, they were supposed to be in first place. The Yankees need to take care of business this weekend against the Red Sox. Totally. But I have the Red Sox win two out of three. Wow, you are, you are that down on the Yanks. <laughs> yeah, I am. I again, I, I can't believe I'm saying this a million years. I'd rather watch the Red Sox right now than the Yankees because it's actually a team that, again, I know the last two nights for them have been ugly, but it's a team that they have fun and they they actually you know they say they show some urgency and they clearly you know I mean? and, and I think a big reason for that is they got a I know you know Core cheated with the Astros and everything, but they got a really good manager. They have a they have a clearly a better manager than the Yankees. Both teams in the AL East, the Rays. And the Sox have better manager. I mean, you cannot argue telling me that Aaron Boone is a better manager than Kevin Cash and Alex Cora. That is completely false. No, no, no. They, no, Cora, Cora and Cash just went circled around him, around Aaron Boone. And, you know, and, and the thing about Cora, too, um, they had the shoring game last Wednesday, the rain delay. The Red Sox put up four runs in the bottom of the fifth, knowing that they could be the last inning. They did it again Friday night. They scored three runs in the bottom fifth. 
um, bottom four, they're bottom fifth. Again, they get the win. They show urgency. They may they all they still struggle at times with running the scoring business like the Yankees do, but again, everybody does in 2021. But they show when they need the runs, they get them. They find a way to get them. They don't beat the them and the Rays do the Red Sox and the Rays do not beat themselves. They don't let stuff affect them in the field, like you know, after bat at bat. They do the little things right. And that's kind of, you know, that's another thing you need to really show that. And I, I think this Red Sox team, especially the way they've been playing, and now you're kind of facing a Yankee team that really just out of whack. I think the Red Sox come up here and, and knock them off and get two out of three. I just right now the Red Sox are the they're playing like the better team. Yeah, you could say at the beginning of the year, Yankees obviously are supposed to be the better team, but you know, I, I, I you know, I think the Red Sox are better right now. You know, they got the stopper tonight, and Nick Pavetta has been great for him. Thank God the Yankees want to face him this weekend because he's been great. Um, you know, look, the Yankees, you know, because I could, you know, I want to say it up here that yeah, you can just get Evaldi and, and there's you know who else is pitching this weekend for him out of the game and get to that bullpen. But they can't hit anybody's bullpen. So I can't sit over here confidently and say, just get to their bullpen. You know, usually they're great against Matt Barnes, but I don't think they're going to touch Barnes this this year, the way he's been pitching and the way they've been hitting. So I, I think the Red Sox find a way. And I, I think they love to come in here and just pretty much bury the Yankees. Wouldn't shock me at all. Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, I think the Yankees do. I think the Yankees... You know, I think they do split with the Rays because Garrett Cole pitches on Thursday and they use some of that momentum that Cole will give them on Thursday and win two out of three against the Red Sox. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. If you're right and the Red Sox take two out of three of those games against the Yanks. Yeah, you know, I, I hope, yeah, Cole tomorrow, you hope kind of gives them some momentum. But look at Friday night. You know, I know Cole wasn't great. He went three strikeouts and was rare, but again, they couldn't they couldn't hit the Tigers at all. So, you know, you hope that they kind of get going, but you, you, they get some momentum, you know, but I just, I don't know. I had problems. I had problems, especially if it's going to be an opener. My my worry, it's going to probably be Nick Nelson again, and that could get ugly very quickly. But um, especially that, because the thing about that Red Sox lineup, too, is they're so much better the second and third time around. They're oh, and, so and, and, and they have the best three, four, probably the best four, three, four, five combination oh, yeah. in the game with, 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 uh, with, JD uh, Bogarts endeavors. They're all having great years. That and Verdugo's p- hit well too. And and a lot of people want to say, oh, they only have four hitters hitting well. That's the, that's their number one in run scores. It's the best three, four, 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 three, four, five combination in the game. The, the biggest difference, the, the reason the Red Sox have a, are better than the Yankees right now is because of the offense. That's it's their, their offense has clearly, clearly been better. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hunter Renfro, I hit over three hundred in the month of May with like five home runs. Hunter, you know, I know the average is still down, but he stunk in April. Hunter Renfro is even starting to turn around in that lineup. So he's in, you know, Klovic Fulecki Saturday came up with a big RBI double to give him the lead. So they find guys. So, yeah, they've been struggling, but their guys come up in a big moment and get the job done. That's what they've been so great with. Um, You know, in that lineup, throw fast. Devers is batting like 136 in his fastballs and everything else. He's like 350, 360. So, again, I would not give anything off speed to to Devers, but – and teams are still doing it. I don't know why, because he's been great. I, you know, but yeah, Martinez had his first. He had his first double Friday night of the month of May. It's just his average so great. He's been a single, couple home runs, and obviously, I think Bogarts is one of the most underrated shortstops and probably most one of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball right now. 
I know there's so many great shortstops. Yeah, absolutely. Players, and you, but... Yeah, I mean, he's been great. He's been great for the last three years, and you've never really heard of him being in that that Lindor conversation. He should be in that conversation with oh, Lindor. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, um, he's having one of the best years. Three. Yeah, he's been great the last three years. It's always yeah, the Lindors, the Tatis since he's come up. Even Glaber's been up there, and obviously Glaber hasn't been the same. Uh, you know, Story Seager. So yeah, he's one of those guys. That should be getting a lot more credit and deserves a lot more than what he what he gets out there because he, he you know he's been one of the best players the last few years. Absolutely, absolutely. Big series, Yanks and Sox this weekend. It should it, it, it got they play nineteen times in the next four months, so that's going to decide a ton between those two teams. But we're going to wrap up baseball talking about or stay in the AL at least. Wrap up baseball talking about a player that's having a phenomenal year, and that's Vlad Guerrero Jr. Who went four for four yesterday. Uh, against 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 the Blue Jays and led them to a four one victory. And I mean against against the Marlins led them to a four one victory. I'm telling you right now, right now is Vlad Guerrero Jr. the MVP in the American League? Because with his with look at his number, 17 home runs, 45 RBIs. I got him as my AL MVP right now. Oh yeah, you know, bag three thirty seven right now, 17 home runs, 45 RBIs. Um, especially coming off the year he had last year, he kind of struggled. Um, you know, obviously he got himself in a lot better shape coming in this year, and it's panned off. It's panned out. I know, you know, the Blue Jays still hit around. Their pitching tap really struggled, but you know, Marcus Simeon had a unbelievable. I think he won AL Player of the Month. So, you know, Simeon can get going. Bouchette, who's a really good player, like they could swing. I, you know, they, they could swing it. They they really they, oh, they yeah. could swing it. Them, them and the Red Sox, they could swing it, and that's they're staying in it. The problem is. Their bullpen is by far the worst of any team in the AL East. I was watching a game when they were playing the Red Sox. You, I don't know if you were doing that game when uh, they were up seven five going into the ninth inning, and JD hit the three run yep. homer to beat him. You were doing that yep. game. The least. Yeah. The human rain delay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. It's just that. That's the problem. The problem is the bullpen and the depth in the rotation. Now they got mm-hmm. they got the lineup. They got the piece in the lineup. Now they got to get the bullpen and the rotation to be able to compete with the Yanks, the Sox, and the Rays in, in the AL East. Yeah, you know, they got to go, you know, and I wonder, like, a team like the Twins, could the could the uh, Blue Jays go out and go get, like, a Jose Brios and get another start for him? Because Ryu's been great, and that's really – Robbie Ray pitched well last night, but, again, you can't count on that every night. So, yeah, the Blue Jays can get another starter. And then there's always guys that are selling off their bullpen guys. Like, you know, the Cubs could sell off maybe Craig Kimbrell because he's been great this year. So, yeah, if the Blue Jays can figure out that bullpen – they're definitely gonna have it. They're definitely gonna have a chance to win that wild card. I they maybe you know they're five and a half out. They probably have a slim chance to win the L East. I probably wouldn't have put the, the favorites still to win that, but if they you know they get some bullpen help, starters, I think that's a lot. They're a wild card team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I I I definitely could see I could definitely see it if they could just improve that starting rotation. So it'll be interesting to see how the AL East shapes out. This is a huge week for the AL East with the Rays playing the Yankees and the Yankees playing the Red Sox. So we'll definitely be talking about about that next week, but we got to talk with some, some NFL and we got to talk about, you know, Julio Jones and we got to talk about, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, yesterday was the day where uh, in June 1st, where the, the cap money is not as much. The dead cap hits aren't as much with, with the two players. Uh, uh, Julio Jones, uh, Julio Jones, his cap, uh, his hit cap, it goes down 14 million. Aaron Rodgers cap goes down 15 million. Here's the thing with those two players. I'm starting to get the feeling Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be traded, but Julio Jones is, I think, definitely going to be traded. And I've seen an offer where the they're, the, they're, they're, the, the Falcons are starting to talk about 
a second round pick for Julio, the Julio drones, them and the Titans. So it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening, where he ends up going right now. I think the Titans might be the leader in the clubhouse right now. I mean, we, we've seen interest from the Patriots. We've seen interest from the 49ers. I've been hearing the Ravens have been pulling out, but, and then you heard interest from the Seahawks this week. So right now, in my opinion, even though I thought the Titans was a long shot last week, I'm going with Julio Jones going to the Titans. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you there. I, you know, I know the page had been rumored for him the last like three years that they, that they, you know, could go after him and go, go try to trade for him. But yeah, it sounds like the Titans are really making a push here to come go get him, And I, I think they will, you know, um, Adding with AJ Brown, as we mentioned last week, I think it's going to be a um, another really nice piece of that offense. And you know, if the defense can get going, that Titans team is, is going to be a could you know it's going to be a contender to win the AFC if their defense can do get any stops this year. Um, I'm with you. I think it's probably going to be Tennessee right now at the end of the day. I would love to see you know love to see the Packers try to go get him for Rodgers, but yeah, I, again, I'm with you know. If I'm Green Bay too, I wouldn't trade Aaron Rodgers. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You have one of the top five, top ten quarterbacks of all time. You're not going to trade him away. I, I think you make him kind of say, all right, you know, we're not, you're not going anywhere. So you can either retire or you can sit on the bench for the next three years till your contract's up. It's you know up to you. I give him that ultimatum. I would not trade him. I don't care what you get for him. And I think the pack. I don't think the Packers are going to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago saying that it was, it was going to be him gone or Kuda Kunt's gone, but I think things are starting to get a little bit better in that, situ- in that situation. But, who, but for Julio Jones, he's definitely going to get traded. I mean, there's no doubt. The Falcons, they're way over the cap. They can't even sign their draft picks. That's how, that's how bad it is there right now. So uh, they're, they're going to trade Julio Jones. And I, and I look at the Vegas odds, I think from yesterday. Uh, right now, the Seahawks are actually number one, have that offense with Tyler Lockett, with uh, – Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Uh, you got the Titans number two, which is we talked about them. You got your Patriots number three. The Ravens number four, but I feel like they're pulling out a little bit. Yeah. The Raiders number number five. Uh, 49ers six. Packers seven. Dolphins eight. Cowboys nine. Chargers 10. Colts 11. Giants 12. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're just listing teams now. But yeah, I think it's going to come down to three teams for Julio Jones. It's going to come down to the Seahawks, the Titans. Or the Patriots. I think that's what I did in my five best pits. I did have the Colts uh, and and Ravens. I had the Colts. I had the Colts and Ravens in there. Uh, but and 49ers. But I feel like the Seahawks have made a push. And I think the Titans and Patriots have always been interested. Yeah, I'm with you. I, he's definitely going to trade it probably sooner rather than later. You would think. Um, so yeah, they that they can sign their draft picks as soon as possible. But. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's probably gonna be the Titans. Um, I, I, you know, look, I'd love to see him go with the Patriots, but you know, we know what Bill. He won't really overpay if he doesn't have to. Um, do you really see this Titans team? Yeah, um, wants them. They want to make that point because I think for that offense, they're gonna have to score a ton of points to be able to win. You know, you know, to you know, to try to um, cover up that defense and. You had a guy like Julio Jones, and you'll be able to do that. So I'm, I'm with you. I think it's right now the Titans are the favorite. Yeah, and, and and for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I was looking up odds for Aaron Rodgers trade. I just don't think right now it doesn't look like it's going to be happening. It just really doesn't. I just think he's going to play this year in Green Bay. Yeah, the Packers might might not be as good as they are last year, but I think he's just they're just going to have to suck it up together in Green Bay this year. I mean, I know it's going to be toxic, but 
I just feel like he's probably in a, he's going to end up staying in Green Bay. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that I think he will too. I don't, you know, I, I think if the Packers would be, I, I think it'd be terrible idea to trade him. I know he wants out, but I don't think that something that fan base is just never going to forgive you for. Especially Aaron Rodgers go somewhere somewhere else and win a Super Bowl. They'll never forgive you for giving up Aaron Rodgers. It's just like so. you guys with 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 Brady. You know, oh, yeah. when you yeah, when you guys you guys wouldn't. You, I mean, I know Brady left. You guys didn't release him because he was a free yeah. agent. But you guys didn't extend him after he beat Patrick Mahomes, and you guys wouldn't give him a two year deal when he was a free agent. I mean, as a Patriot fan, you guys are probably a little bit upset at Belichick for. I mean, I know Belichick's won six Super Bowls. He's one of the greatest coaches ever. But you're probably a little bit upset at Belichick for you know not resigning Brady. You're you're happy Brady won last year because you guys love Brady. But you're a little upset at your organization for make, for allowing that to happen as a Patriots fan, oh, yeah. and, and that's the same way you think of with the Packers. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And it'll be Definitely. much worse. It would be much worse with the Packers because the Packers only won yeah. one Super Bowl. You guys won six. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. Especially the way the Patriots played last year with Cam Newton. It's like you really thought Cam Newton was a better option last year than Tom Brady. Like I, at the I beginning, the deal, but at the, be- at the beginning. At- well, I, I, you know, everybody thought Curry calling him a genie, you know, like yeah, Bill Belichick does it again. But look, you know, he was, you know, Kim was awful. And, you know, I know Bill wants to go young, wanted to go young, but it was like Cam Newton was not that, was not that, was not that guy. And we saw that after, what, week three, week four, after he came back from COVID, uh, week five was. So, yeah, it's something where, yeah, I'm happy for Brady. I, I love that he didn't really, you know, try to come out and, and destroy the organization, you know, come out and be upset about he had the player and he waited till his contract's up. You know, that's something I admire him a lot for. And I know that's Brady's personality. He, he, you know, never about that. But, yeah, you know, I again, it's, it's upsetting. You know, I was happy for Brady, but it was upsetting at the same time to, to know that, you know, Tom could have won us another one. You know, obviously I knew we probably wouldn't have won the Super Bowl last year with our offense, but obviously Brady still would have been the better option than Cam Newton. He would have gave us a better shot to win another ring. And, you know, you're kind of upset to see that. Again, and he has a chance to win another one because that Tampa team arguably got even better. So They're my favorite. They're my favorite to win it again this year. Me too. Yes. Yeah. At the moment they are as well. So, yeah, and – Obviously, for Green Bay fans, you trade Aaron Rodgers away, and obviously the fan base is going to be very upset with that whole organization. Because yeah, you said it; they've only won one one ring with them, and if he goes in one year and go win, wins it with another organization, it's going to make things a lot worse for that fan base. And that's and 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 say Jordan Love isn't any good, that makes yeah. it even worse because they because they drafted Jordan Love while Aaron Rodgers was still in his prime. You don't do that in this year of the NFL. You don't ever do that in this year of the NFL. So this isn't 2005 where you could think, oh, Brett's losing a little bit. Maybe Aaron could sit a year or two. That doesn't happen anymore. You can't do that. So if they trade Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love is no good, that is going to be a horrendous decision. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because I heard he's not even ready. I heard he's still not ready So to, to take that starting job. So, yeah, they, they, they need Rodgers to stay. Yeah, they got to keep Rodgers or – yeah, because I don't think Love's ready. I don't, I don't know if he's that next guy. You know, I think it's obviously too early to tell. But yeah, if Love comes out and he struggles, oh my, it's it's not going to be pretty in Green Bay. And again, I I feel bad for that organization because I feel bad for Rogers too. Because yeah, they they should do more for him. Don't get me wrong, they should. But you, you feel bad for that fan base who's 
you know, so passionate. It has a great, great franchise. Absolutely. 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 So we're going to wrap up the show talking a little bit of hockey and uh, we'll talk about the series with the two local teams. We've got the Islanders and the Bruins game three. It's, is it tonight or tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah, the, tomorrow night. Let the other series catch up. Oh, okay. So it's tomorrow night on the islands. Game three is tomorrow night at the Nassau, at Nassau Coliseum, but a great start to the series. David Pasternak in game one at the hat trick Bruins won five, two. Uh, then the Islanders win in overtime. The Bruins win game one. And then the Islanders win in overtime in game two. So, I think it's going to be a really even series. I feel like it's going to go six to seven. Justin, I'll start with this, though. What do the Bruins have to do to win this series? For the Bruins, um, I would, you know, for them, they can't beat themselves because period two and game two, they were awful. Just a lot of – that was as bad as a period I think I've ever seen the Bruins play in a big game like that. Um, just turnovers, um, they gave up two or three, three uh, I think two or three goals in that period. Um, it just, you know, rest missed a shot or he tried to make a glove save and it just, you know, he kind of just whipped on it. He just kind of just missed it. it. You know, something Jeremy Lazard, I, puck bounced off his skate and went into the net. Like, you know, just things you don't see the Bruins make, you know, type of game. And if they don't beat themselves, they should be, be, be able to beat the Islanders because, they are the better team. They have more talent than the Islanders. Yeah, the Islanders really don't. They have a, they have a great coach, but they don't really have any oh, noticeable, notable players. Really, that's the thing with the Islanders. Yeah, it's like and I said this. I said, yeah, I said this last year too. The, they've been they've been really good the last two years. They've had no real notable great player. Oh yeah, you know that's just it's kind of been the, uh, the it's just been the you know it's yeah it's been Barry Trotz. He just he makes adjustments and they don't really you know. It's a team where they they somehow win games where they shouldn't, and they you know they don't beat themselves very often. They have Marzell's like I wouldn't even call Marzell a superstar. He had a good year, but they just have a you know anybody can beat you. Kyle Palmer um, Paul Mary's been a very nice pickup from Anaheim. He's played well in the postseason um, that they traded for, but you know he's not even a superstar. So yeah, they you know. God, they just have guys that are just kind of step up each night, and they do enough. So, yeah, they don't have talent. The Bruins have a more talented team than they do, and I definitely especially, think the especially with especially with Taylor Hall. Oh yeah, Hall, and I think when he came over too, the Bruins offense really sparked. Um, he played well. I think he had a big hit too, um, game two right in the first period. You know, so yeah, you know, Hall isn't able to help that. The perfection line, you know, that line one. Um, Prosenak with that, um, with the hatcher in game one, that, you know, there, that line has really made an impact in that series. And that line continues to be able to put up points. I think, um, you know, they had a couple more points in game two. If that line continues to get going or, you know, continue continues to play well, the Island is really going to have a tough time winning this series. Cause when that line's on, it just, it builds off of for, for the, for the other line. So, um, for the Bruins, yeah, just don't be themselves. That perfection of line one, um, continue to play well and takes off, you know, obviously takes off Pritchard from the other three lines. And it it just helps the the uh, Bruins for a whole. Yeah, so what do the Islanders have to do to win this series? Um, for them, it's – they played well in the power play. They, they got three power play goals in the series already because for them – 
dirt, you know, when it's five on five, it's really for the most part felt like the Bruins have controlled most of the most of the chances, most of the opportunities. So they need to they need to capitalize on their chances when they when it's an odd man. When again, they have more men on the uh, to power play or even like an odd man rush. You know, they got to be able to capitalize on that. You know, when they have a two on one or a three on two, they got to be able to put it in the back of the net, find a way to score. Also, continue to play physical. Uh, both teams are very, very physical. I think it's the more the team that you know uses their body more. Um, you know, it just wears the other team down. I think it's going to be able to win this series. Continue to play physical, and then continue to you got to. And then, um, then the last thing is to engage three tonight. Capitalize of being at home. You know, the NASA Coliseum. I think they're going to um, expand it to twelve thousand tonight. I believe. So you mean tomorrow again, night? Yeah, tomorrow night. Yes. Um, get the first goal. You know, get that crowd going. Keep them engaged. You know, get off to a five, get off to a fast start tonight. Um, for that for the Islanders, and you know, put the pressure on on the Bruins. Absolutely. So who you got in the series? I, I I got the I got the Bruins in seven. I'm gonna take the Bruins in six. Um, I think the Bruins be able to do enough. I think they you know will. Um, I think, yeah, I think the Bruins are going to be able to do enough. I think they just have too much talent for the Islanders. Again, Barry Trott's done a great job, and uh, I love to see the Islanders knock them off, but I think the Bruins are just the better team. So as Ranger fans, honestly, this is a little weird. I'd actually rather see the Islanders win. I don't like to root for a Boston team against a New York. I don't like to root for a Boston team against a New York team, and I think the Islander fans deserve it. They've been, they've been waiting a long time to, have, to win a Stanley Cup. You know, the Bruins, they've had enough chances, and they won a cup in 2011. The Islander fans have been waiting for years, and, there's way, and Boston has won way too many championships for me. So I want to see the fans in the island get a title. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Islanders. I, I'd love to see them win. Um, after Traveris left, it's, you thought it was going to kind of be reset all over again, but it really hasn't. And um, they, they've been great. I would love to, and I love Barry Trotz. I think he, uh, he's a heck of a coach. He's done a great job in this league, so – I'd love to see the Islanders get one. Yeah, get back to the cup because it, it has been a while. And those island, you know, um, for those fans to to get a cup would would be great for the uh, especially the last year in Nassau Coliseum. That would that would be really really special. Absolutely, I'd love that. You know, that, that's the thing. And to win it, imagine they win it at Nassau yeah. Coliseum. That would be great because those fans are so loyal, and that's such a that's oh, such yeah. a that's such a that's such a historic building because they because those teams in the eighties. They won those Stanley Cups at the Nassau Coliseum yeah. in that building. So that's that'd be great to see. Even though I was a Ranger fan, it'd be great to see the Islanders win in, in that building, to win, win a Stanley Cup in that building in their last year. Oh yeah, one percent. You know, for that fan base to close it out there before they move to Belmont Park, which looks like a beautiful arena. Um, yeah, it'd be special to close out that arena like that and you know, close out Nassau to get that to get that cup for the first time in a long time. So yeah, the Islanders really play well at home. They have a great fan base. Even when they're losing, they're great. So, yeah, I'd love to see them get the get a cup here to it'd be great for the fans. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up for Sports Talk with R&J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job. And for Justin Nafir, I'm Steve Risser. Do not forget it. 3 o'clock is the Posting Up Podcast, and I will be on the Posting Up Podcast today. So make sure you check that out. But we'll be back next week uh, recapping Yank Sox, talking NBA playoffs, and talking NHL playoffs and any and any NFL news that comes our way. So enjoy Yankees, Red Sox, everyone, and the NBA playoffs, and have a great weekend.
It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? ball right field Grossman back track wall see ya into the second deck a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge and the Yankees are pouring it on for the latest news throughout the sports world tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m.